Welcome to Family Life Today, brought to you with the compliments of this station and power to change. We're always encouraged to receive your feedback and comments on the program, but I'll tell you how you can do that at the conclusion. But now, here are your Family Life Today presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson. So one of the things that was interesting in raising our three sons was their perspective on if you're going to reach our generation with the gospel of Christ, you're going to have to do it differently than you did with your generation. Yeah, what do you think that means? Well, I'm asking you, because when they first said that, I mean, I can remember sitting at a lunch with one of my sons, and he just basically said, you know, Dad, I don't think I'd bring my friends to your church. (laughs) And we're like, well, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, it's just, it's it's not going to reach a 20-year-old, a 25-year-old. It was not speaking the language of their generation. I really give you credit, because you did not get defensive. You said, tell me more. What do you mean by that? And I mean, that was a huge, because you founded our church. And for him to say, I wouldn't come and I wouldn't bring my friends, that was a blow. Well, I knew I knew he was being honest, and I knew I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I remember looking at him saying, tell me more. And I think every 40, 50, 60-year-old parent should be open to the fact that our kids, it's a different generation. If we're going to try and reach them, it's going to look, it's going to be the same wine in a different wineskin. And so we need to learn. So today is uh, Next Generation 101. We've got Shelby Abbott back in the studio with us. Welcome back to Family Life Today. Thank you for having me once again. We're excited to have you here. Not only are you the voice now, you're now replacing Bob Lapine on the back end. Which no one can replace Bob Lapine. That's true. I agree. But you've had a ministry with young adults, with crew, for how many years? I was in the campus ministry for 20 years, and it's always been my target audience. In fact, I'm still, even on staff with Family Life, I'm still running a, a summer mission with college students. So I feel like I'm rubbing shoulders with them on a pretty consistent basis. So what Dave was talking about with our sons, you know that heartbeat. I do. Yeah. yeah. And I think the the heart of older people when they look at younger people is to say, well, this is what worked and we'll continue to do it because it works. And now with you know, generationally things shift just naturally with the oncome of the internet age and social media that has rapidly shifted the way that young people process not only information, how they process themselves, how they view God, how they view others. And the pace is so quick now that I found that an older generation has a tendency to just feel kind of dizzy by looking at how are we going to do this? And there's solutions that get thrown out there that are good, and we always need an older generation to look toward for wisdom and to listen to and to learn from, but the strategy does have to be different. Yeah, so what's real life loading? That's the name of your podcast yeah. that's trying to reach 18 to 28-year-olds. Yeah, it's, And it's real life loading dot, dot, dot. Dot, 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 right. You ever plugged in something, like even in your car, and it says loading dot, 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 or you get the three dots on your phone when you text someone and you know that something's about to happen. It basically infers this is life in process. Mm. And so 
We don't want to say we have it all together. We have your answers. Come to me and I will give you the answers that you need. It's like, no, I'm, I want to be a trusted friend who comes alongside you, maybe throws my arm around your shoulder and say, let's do this together. I'm a little bit ahead of you in life. And so I can be that trusted older brother, so to speak, or an older trusted friend, but I'm also still very much in process. And the tagline of the show, it's real life loading, somewhat anxious, always authentic. And for example, with anxiety, we hear a lot of times, you shouldn't be anxious. Anxiety is a sin. And Matthew 6 points that out to us, yes, but it's more nuanced than that sometimes too. If anything, the Bible gives us permission to wrestle with those things. It's not always about these end destinations of where we need to get to. It's about that process. And Jesus cares just as much about the process as he does those end destinations. So what can it look like for a young person to be with me, be with us in this process of not having it all together? Well, yesterday I loved that you shared your own story about your dad. And you said that you are in process of forgiving him for some of the things that had happened in your own life with abandonment as your parents were divorced. And the thing that I loved about that is you didn't wrap a bow on it mm-hmm. yet. And I think sometimes when I was younger, I used to go to church and I thought, why does every story have to be like, I used to do this, but then everything's perfect and right. I'm perfect now. Yep. And I thought, why doesn't anybody share about it when they're in the midst of the pain? Yeah, and it's funny that you said that too, because when we were talking about that yesterday, I, I felt this twinge of embarrassment that I hadn't come to the point that you were at, Dave, with your father. I felt this like little tiny thing in me that said, but I'm doing better now and I'm and I'm writing the letter. You wanted to put the bow on it. I did. I did want to put the bow on it. I haven't written the letter. I haven't made the call to my father yet. And I'm I'm very much in process when it comes to anxiety with even struggling with dark feelings of loneliness and depression. I don't do social media right all the time. I don't. And to say that I do gives people a standard that they feel like they need to shoot for, and that's when I'll arrive. And if they do get to that point, they'll realize this is not the solution. This is not the solution is having it all together is not the solution. The solution is Jesus and allowing him to work on us in that process. Well, and the thing that's so great is that God's using you right now. And you don't have it all figured out and perfect yet, but God still uses us in the midst. Yeah. I have, like, a lot of ugliness in my past, not only with, like, uh, my family and that kind of stuff and, and divorce and wrestling through a lot of that, but, like, personal ugliness as well. I think one of the most dangerous places someone can be spiritually is thinking that they can buy their own salvation through their good works or religious behavior. That was me for a very long time. And in, even through my 20s and early 30s, wrestling with, oh, I don't need God's grace. I'm doing pretty good. I'm a full-time missionary. That's a really ugly, dangerous place to be. But that's part of my story. In addition to that, like I've got sexual abuse in my history. That's ugly and disgusting. And I don't want to talk about that very much. I've got opioid addiction. Not a long time ago, just a few years ago, I have that in my life. That's embarrassing to me. And I don't like to talk about those things, but I found that The more that I'm willing to engage with those conversations, the more areas where I talk about the broken parts of my life, those are the areas where I find that students will come up to me afterward or someone will approach me and say, I'm so thankful you talked about this because that's my story too. And that's when the real work happens because people feel like I'm not alone here. I'm not the only person who's messed up in this way. If the speaker or the guy behind the microphone or the author can go through these things and still be in process, what does that say about me? That's comforting. 
Yeah, talk about that a little bit, because the church is typically, we mentioned yesterday, the place where that was all hidden. There's darkness, brokenness, ugliness, as you said, wasn't talked about. So you're saying you talked about that. Help us understand, how do we talk about it? Because you don't want to just live in the darkness and ugliness. Right. You didn't mean to be on the elevator and you're like, let me tell you about. Yeah. And you <laughs> let know, me tell you about my how sexual How do I abuse? appropriately talk about, you, you mentioned sexual abuse, you mentioned opioid addiction. Wow. I mean, yeah. right away it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Nobody says those kind of things in church. There's some sinner outside the church that right. struggles with that, but somebody that knows Christ doesn't struggle with that stuff. You struggled with that. How do yeah. you appropriately talk about that in a way that uh, is appealing to anyone, including the next generation. Yeah, I think coming to a place of being honest about who we are, uh, I am a sinner in need of God's grace. I will always be a sinner on this side of eternity in need of God's grace. I will never, a friend of mine says there are no such thing as grace graduates, and it's true. Mm -hmm. I've never, I've never been in a position where I will not need God's grace. So Jesus is the friend of sinners. When Jesus walked into the city, he could have met with all the religious leaders, but he chose Zacchaeus, this awful, sinning tax collector who swindled people out of money, and he changed his life. And he picked him. Why? Because it was about Jesus and not about him. And so to say, oh, we don't talk about those kind of things here. Number one, you should. Because the more you sweep stuff under the rug, it's just going to come out again. And I've discovered that with students who have been forced to say, I am not allowed to ask questions about my faith. Well, that will come out again. I've seen people walk away from the faith because they stuffed it or were told to stuff it for a long time. So to think that, oh, if we just like ignore it, it'll go away. It's never true. It will not go away. We need to deal with these kind of things. But to call myself, well, that's the stuff that we talk about with outside the church. That's not stuff that we deal with in here. That's just a, a naive picture of reality because everybody is going through difficult things all the time. And the more real we are with them to admit the struggle, we can then begin to get on the solution side. And I do mean the word begin because once we hmm. admit that there's a problem, then we're able to bring community around us and deal with those things in a healthy way in the context of being in the body of Christ and then get on the solution side of things. So I'm not saying admit it and let's just wallow in our misery all the time. No, allow the Holy Spirit to break us of those things and then we can be able to get on the solution side of things, which is allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through our lives to sanctify those dark areas of our hearts that we've refused to allow people in before. Mm. I'm guessing a lot of listeners have kids between the age of 18 and 28. Talk to them. Like, what do they need to know? As parents, should we be confessing some of the stuff we're struggling with? How can we win that age group? There's that? a good question. Yeah. I can remember our youngest uh, sitting at the dinner table. The other two boys were off to college. So it's like, oh, we only have one son here. And remember? He starts going, hey, mom, dad, can you tell me about, like, your sexual history and sins really? that you committed? And we looked at each other like, no. Uh, should, we, should we answer this question honestly? Right. Should we cover it all up? Yeah. Help a parent answer that question because there's going to be questions like sure. that. Sure, and I think to answer in a uniform blanket way would be a mistake on yeah. my part. I think there's an intentional level of discernment that you need to have as an adult when you're dealing with your kids specifically. So some things may not be ever appropriate to talk about with your kids, but at the same time, approaching things with a level of humility 
I think parents are constantly in a position of always feeling like I'm the one that needs to correct my kids and shepherd them and guide them. So I'm taking the moral high ground, whether or not I actually have the moral high ground in these areas. And that trains us into thinking that I will always be that for my kids. But you know your kids the best. You know them when they get to a certain age, if they're able to handle these kind of things, or if you're even willing to break the ice with them in certain ways and see what God does there, I'd say, number one, what you need to do is approach it prayerfully. Prayer is one of those things that we often neglect and underestimate and just ask the Lord, hey, I want to talk to my daughter or my son about this kind of stuff because I think it will be helpful for them to talk about my shortcomings, for example, but I don't want to look at it as kind of like, look at all the areas in the past where I've failed so that you cannot do those things. That might work for one kid, but for another kid, it's like, I never want to talk to you again, mom. Please don't ever mention anything like this. So you need to thread that needle and figure out what would be best for your kid because you know what your kid would respond to the best. That being said, being willing to take steps of vulnerability on your part and admit that you don't have it all together. One of the best things I think a parent can do for their kids is to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And while they may or may not take you up on that initially, continually owning your areas of shortcomings so that in reality, convince your kids that you don't believe you have it all together. And when you get to that point of authenticity, of reality, they'll be willing to talk to you about more things and maybe perhaps talk about their own struggles with that kind of stuff because they're going to somebody with it. It's usually their friends, maybe their siblings, maybe even people out there on the Internet, but they have to talk about that kind of stuff. They're bottling it, yes, quite a bit, but they are talking about it. Would you rather them go to their friends who may or may not know Jesus, or would you rather them come to you? And so what do you need to work on personally as a parent so that you can free up those roads for them to travel down and come to you? It may take some time. But live with authenticity. Live as if you actually believed what the Bible says is true. <laughs> here's a concept. <laughs> pretty, pretty simple. Pretty simple, but very difficult. Well, here, to live here's out. a here's a question for you personally. How how old are your kids? My kids. Uh, I have two daughters. They're ten and eight. All right. So when they're a little older, maybe thirteen, fifteen, seventeen, and they ask you about the things you just mentioned as ugliness in your life, mm-hmm. opioid addiction. What are you gonna do? I will talk about it with a a measure of discernment and be careful about using my words, but I will not shy away from that subject. Opioid use came to me not like I was walking the streets looking for pills. It came through an injury that I had in my back and then a long period of time of using opioids to manage pain and then having to wean off that medication in the process of withdrawal going, okay, I'm not going to do this, but I get it why people choose heroin over withdrawal. I get it. I got it. I think that's one of the things that I think would be helpful in letting my kids understand that I'm not perfect and I don't have it all together. And I screwed up a lot while you were here, not like a long time ago before you were around, like while I was raising you kind of a deal. So I will speak frankly about those kind of things, the ugly areas, but I will also speak about the areas that I'm super excited about. Namely, I was a virgin when I got married. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not afraid of someone calling me prudish or, oh, yeah, nobody could do that. I'm like, I want to give glory to Jesus for that. So the good things 
and the bad things and say, I am not a person that has arrived. I will never arrive. Neither will you. And when you fail, I will extend to you grace in the way that God has extended me grace because I want to be here with you because I'm for you. Yeah, and and part of me thinks our kids long for this, the next generation that you're passionate about. I think everyone longs for it. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. I'm, I'm asking both Shelby and my wife, Ann. And I'm hoping when people listen to Family Life today, this is what happens. This is one of my hopes. They listen and they go, wow, this couple is just like us. They struggle with the same things we struggle about. And some of the stuff nobody's ever talking about, but they're like bringing it into the light. But at the same time, they've got a victory. They've got a hope in Jesus that's just as strong as the struggle and just as real. And I'm not sure I know that victory like they do. I want to keep listening. I'm hoping that every sermon, every program we do, and I'm sure there's more than that, but at least that's happening. And part of me thinks that's what our kids long for. That's what the next generation is longing for. Can I be around a person that's real about the struggle and not hiding it, but at the same time has hope and victory and even a power supernaturally in Christ that meets them right in the victory that I'm I'm drawn to? Is that what... Yeah. Next generation and everybody's longing for it? They, they want things to be real. They don't want something to be plastic and fake. They want honesty. They want authenticity. And the struggle that you're talking about that people have with bringing things into the light, that struggle is real. And I think all of us know that struggle is real. It's not something to be like, yeah, just drag it into the light. Come alongside them in that process because they need a trusted friend to help take them there. But also remind them that when you bring things into the light, that's where darkness dies. Hmm. And that's where Jesus wants us to be. And not that we have to be perfect. It's not that. But discovering that in the light, though it might seem scary and, and it might seem painful and we might squint our eyes really hard when we get there, it's where the darkness dies. And I wouldn't know of any young person who would say, nah, I want to keep the darkness in my life. No, we would never admit that, yet we live like that all the time. Hmm. So it's really about putting legs to it and helping them in that process, and that's what I want to do with this podcast. And what I would add, too, as we bring things into the light, don't forget that there's a spiritual battle going on that will try with all the enemy has is to keep it in the dark. The first time I decided at our church, I kind of talked about my abuse on the stage in front of thousands of people. And, man, my heart was just beating Um, because you risk rejection and to share that. And I'll never forget that I got a note soon after. And as soon as I shared all of that, I thought, okay, I'm going to do this because I know other people are locked up. I know they're in shame. I know they've never told anybody. And so I was doing it in hopes of bringing other people into that light, of having the courage to expose it. Mm -hmm. And right after I was done, I got a note from a woman and she said, I want you to know that today as you shared your story, you glorified Satan. I'm telling you, it knocked me down. Yeah, that was the opposite of it everything. It was the yeah. opposite. And there's nothing she could have said that would have devastated me more. Mm-hmm. Because I'm hoping to bring glory to God. Because I shared, like, but God yeah. has restored and is restoring. I'm in the midst of him healing me. And yet she thought, because I shared it, somehow I glorified it. It highlighted it, yeah. And so I went into hiding. I thought, I'm never doing that again. I will never share and expose anything like that again, because if it's glorifying Satan, that's my 
greatest fear that I would do that. Even though I had other people saying, Anne, I've never told anybody. And I would just say to anybody listening and to your kids, we're living in darkness that's suffocating when we've never shared it. And the enemy will do anything in his power to get you to hide. But man, when we expose it, because other people went up to me and I have since shared many times, Jesus wants to set us free. And when you bring it into the light, and that's what I'm so excited about your podcast, you're going to expose things that young adults are dealing with. That a lot of people aren't talking about. Right. And they need a place to go to to hear and to talk. And to say, that's me. Yeah. That's me. The first year we started our church, I stood on the stage one night at a midweek service, and I was scared to death to say this out loud, but I did. And nobody at that time was ever talking about this, but I just thought I can't keep this in the dark, so I shared my porn struggle. And my co-pastor, co-founder came up to me afterwards. He goes, dude, you just changed this church. Hmm. I go, what do you mean? Is that bad? <laughs> you know, like, like am I fired, you know, because right, you, know, yeah. you could get fired for yep, that of then, course. just admitting you had a struggle. And he goes, no, I think we just created a community of honesty and no secrecy and if you stay in the dark the dark winds if you bring it into the light there's a community and christ who can help you that is what i think of when i look at you shelby and think man you're launching a podcast for the next generation to say we're going to create a space where we'll be honest and real and you can be as well and we'll talk about the issues you're dealing with because the gospel is just as great for your parents as it is for you yeah way to go thank Mm -hmm. you and I, i do believe that that's the the heart behind is the gospel changes everything about our lives. It really does. Not just as like a pithy little one-liner. It actually does. It changes our lives. And we don't have to be a certain age. We don't have to achieve a certain amount of status or whatever. The gospel changes our lives right here, right now, in the midst of our mess. Because everybody's a mess. To thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication, and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as Power to Change, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. This program is brought to you each Monday to Friday through the generous gifts of everyday Australians like you. If you'd like to give a once-off gift or a monthly donation, please click the Give tab on our website at families.powertochange.org.au. Until tomorrow at the same time, God's richest blessings on your family. Music.